Welcome y'all to the Direct Examination Podcast. My name is Amber Fulmer. And I'm Joseph Bias. Uh, Dane is not here. Uh, he has a big trial that he was working on uh, last week that has continued to this week. So we wish him the best of luck. Um, also, neither of us do a good Dane impression, so we can't really fake like he's here. It's not like me. He doesn't have the accent. <laughs> That's right. Your impression, your impression of you is a lot more fun. Yeah. It's just like, hey, howdy, y'all. My name's Amber. I'm from country. Anyway, uh, we <laughs> exactly really appreciate... Right. That's an exact quote you made. Um, we're very appreciative, as always, of everyone listening. Um, we are wrapping up our uh, first season, and we will have some exciting things as we come up to our second season as we wind down the first one, but we do appreciate everyone uh, listening, whether you're in Japan or in Saudi Arabia or Spain or Canada or even... You haven't broken into the Asian market yet. I, we have not broken into the Asian market yet. Now, I take personal uh, responsibility for that. We have not uh, reached out to Asia, um, so I would like to invite any of our Jap- Japanese or Chinese listeners, give us a call, shoot us an email. We will come over. We'll record a podcast over there. Um, Samsung, I have a Galaxy phone. They can just fly me out there, and I, we'll do it from there. That's <laughs> no. So, uh, but anyway, do wonder. We do appreciate everyone's uh, support. Uh, our numbers are very, very cool and encouraging, and uh, we just thank everybody for listening. Today we have a special episode that I'm not going to talk a lot about. Um, so, Amber. Tell us right. what we got today. Well, before Joseph mansplains anymore <laughs> right. um, about what we're doing today, and because girls rule the world, we all know that, right. we decided to have a women's roundtable. So our guests today are women from all walks of life. Normally, it's just me and Brindy back here, <laughs> and then Joseph and Dane. And I probably have more men on the podcast than women, but today, we're going to take those numbers down. So, today we have Jane Downey. Jane's a partner at my law firm, the Moore Taylor Law Firm, and she's certified by the Supreme Court as a specialist in bankruptcy and debtor-creditor law since 1996. She's also been certified by the South Carolina Supreme Court as a mediator and an arbitrator, and she is a member of the American Bankruptcy Institute. She's also the incorporating attorney, member of, and past president of the South Carolina Bankruptcy Law Association. And she represents creditors, creditors, debtors, unsecured creditor committees in Chapter 7, 9, 11, 12, and 13 business and consumer cases, including bankruptcy litigation. And she's also on the list of mediators with the U.S. Bankruptcy Court for the District of South Carolina. We also have Alexandra Benevento, also goes by Allie. She works at the Strom Law Firm. She probably, If y'all can pick up an accent today, it's going to be either Rebecca, me, or Allie. <laughs> <laughs> Allie was born and raised in western New York. And she earned her Bachelor of Science in 2004 and went on to attend USC down here where she earned her JD in 2009. And after graduation, she worked uh, as a legislative aide for the South Carolina House of Representatives. And following her time with the legislature, she went on to open her own law practice. And she then joined the Strom Law Firm, which is a very big, very well-known law firm here in Columbia, in 2012, where she focuses her practice on criminal defense in both state and federal courts. And she's also an active member of the South Carolina Association of Criminal Defense Lawyers. We also have Rebecca Creel, who is the owner of the Creel Family Law in Columbia, South Carolina. She was formerly a partner in the Pincus Law Firm and an associate at the Lester and Hendricks Law Firm before she left to open Creel Family Law. 
She focuses primarily on domestic litigation, and she represents clients in divorce, custody, child support, separation, and adoption matters. She's also a certified family court mediator, and she serves as a guardian ad litem for children in contested custody cases. And last but not least, we have Miss Madeline Dukes. She's our newcomer to the table. She is an associate with McWhorter Bellinger and Associates, and she primarily primarily works in their Lexington offices and practices in the areas of automobile accidents, workers' compensation, and all forms of personal injury. She graduated from the University of Alabama in Honors College in 2014, and then she went to USC Law School where she graduated uh, the other year. And she also <laughs> competed. Yeah, I didn't have that written down. Sorry. I just <laughs> 2017. I didn't 2017. Have the 2017, and she competed on the mock trial team, which, by the way, for those of you that don't know, we were formerly, the University of South Carolina mock trial team was previously ranked 13th in the nation. We are now the number one mock trial program in the nation. So, Is this our obligatory Brett Bates shout out? We are not. You said his name. (laughs) Okay, sorry. We were going to do it without saying his name. Sorry. We have women today from all walks of life. We've got bankruptcy. We've got family law. We've got criminal defense, and we have civil litigation. And they are here to talk about women's issues, things that they have seen in their practice, things that they have seen um, with their female clients, things that they feel are issues for women today. Um, without getting into names, we know it's an ever-changing landscape That's right. <laughs> as far as it comes to women's rights, whether it's reproductive rights um, or political rights. So I'm going to turn it over now to the ladies of the law who are here tonight <laughs> to talk to us. Welcome, so, guys. Yeah. yeah. I mean, really... Really gals. appreciate it. Gals. Welcome, Sorry. <laughs> so I, I have a question, I, I guess, to start off with, to start with Rebecca, and then we can kind of go around the table. So one of the things that I noticed, and I actually had, Amber's a year younger than me. Um, so when we were doing mock trial together, one of the things that stuck out about Amber in mock trial, she doesn't know I'm telling the story, is oh. that Amber went toe-to-toe with everyone there it's like in no way did she back off of anyone there was no hesitation there was a lot of self-confidence now in the real world i know this is a compliment in the in in the legal world we're all kind of we all kind of have to be alphas in um court and with our clients but sometimes outside of the legal world that can be seen as a negative to women as far as you know you can get called certain names if you're uh, you know, too overly aggressive and stuff. So how do you guys balance that, um, especially doing the very different types of law that you do? And I'm obviously very interested, of course, in both family and criminal, especially about having to deal with folks who are going through some really... And also arch- very contentious areas sure. exactly. of law. Right. Well, you know, I actually had a conversation with someone the other day um, who approached me in a case, a hotly contested custody case. And one of the things I tried to impress upon them is that adversarial doesn't mean acrimonious. And so, you know, I had a motion in Rock Hill just this past week. And the other lawyer who I just respect so much and think it just is a brilliant lawyer, does a great job, it was like playing tennis with somebody who's a brilliant tennis player. And at the end of the day, he did his job, I did my job, and I'd have been happy to go out and get a glass of wine with him afterwards. But it is difficult. I mean, I look, even this year in the judicial elections, Um, The judges that are going forward for confirmation in the family court this year, there were four female lawyers where there were, or four female judges where there were complaints about their um, disposition as, as judges, their courtroom, you know, atmosphere. 
none of those complaints were made about men. So Mm -hmm. judges who were women who were making difficult decisions are seen as hysterical, as over-emotional, as prejudiced towards one or the other, when that doesn't really lend itself towards men who are making equally difficult decisions. Um, I feel pretty fortunate. Um, The family court bench in South Carolina, and particularly here in the Midlands, is very genial despite the fact that we have some of the most difficult issues that we have to deal with. Um, And, but it is, it is a real challenge. I've literally had people come into my office and say, I want to hire the biggest Richland County. And I was like, well, let me give you her number. Because that's not me. We'll beep over you if you need to. But great, really great practitioners. And I think it's true whether you practice in family court or criminal practice or civil litigation, understand that serving your client's interest doesn't, isn't promoted by that kind of law practice, whether you're a man or a woman. You know, you, you deal with the facts that you have, you deal with the law that you have, and you, you move the case forward in that way. So, um, but it is a challenge. And, you know, we have to kind of skirt that balance between if I am upset about another lawyer kind of roostering up at me about right. something in a courtroom, mm-hmm. and I have I, tr- I have to be careful not to have an emotional reaction because there is, at least at some level, a, oh, bless her heart kind of approach to women in the practice. Jane, have you found that to be the case um, in bankruptcy and kind of your dealings? Because you were the, I'd say, the most uh, experienced of uh, all of us. Has that always been the case um, where women kind of have to have that in the back of their mind? These are really good questions and comments. I I moved to South Carolina in 1990, and I was not from South Carolina. So some of the experiences that I had, I wasn't really sure if it was because I was outside of the state of South Carolina, or if it was because of my age, I was green versus the more senior people, or if it was because I was female. I mean, you know, really just didn't know. But I do know that part of the reason that I think I migrated to bankruptcy court, and there are lots of reasons, but one was just in in state court, I think there was the good old boy feeling. Oh, sure. Mm-hmm. And we were talking before the podcast started about just, you know, different rules and ways that things happened. And I think I, I would be able to identify that more in state court than in federal bankruptcy court. So, for example, and I remember when I was taking um, the bar, some of the people that were um, instructors would say things like, you know, no open-toed shoes, which to some degree we still agree with, you know. And then other people, you know, are like, okay, wait, can you not show your heel? Can you not show your toe? Like, there are really rules about this. And then... Suffice to say, you should have had other things you should be thinking about during the bar. Well, no, this was one one of the classes. These were the instructors that were, you know, it was a judge who was um, Bubba Ness. He was basically, you know, telling us how to dress and... And, you know, absolutely don't wear pantsuits and, you know, just all, all these clothing aspects or, you know, we would um, be a little bit of conscious about when you get to the table, um, but is there like a table skirt or is the judge kind of looking at people's mm-hmm. legs? I mean, there there were people that would say, okay, well, you know, um, what the judge does, the judge is looking at that person's heels or, you know, that person's short skirts or mm-hmm. You know, things that I'm sure in some degree still happen, but, you know, it's just, it was, um, 
I think it was more emphasized. And so I felt more like I could compete just one-on-one -on -one more so with um, federal bankruptcy judges than state judges at the time. I'm, and, and some of it, like I say, I don't think had necessarily to do with just being a female, but like I remember one time I went to state court and I'm kind of sitting there, you know, blah, 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 hanging out, waiting for the judge to come out. And all of a sudden, opposing counsel and the judge walk out from judges' chambers together. And, you know, then my opposing mm -hmm. counsel comes and stands next to me and we go argue the case. So <laughs> things like that just, you know, didn't seem like you were on the same playing field. And I never really had that um, with the bankruptcy judges. I think in South Carolina, we have two men bankruptcy judges and one female bankruptcy judge. And we were thinking about um, some of these issues the other night at an event that we had. And um, I, I would say that I think the female bankruptcy judge probably is more detail-oriented with the questions. And mm. so mm -hmm. sometimes you actually have to be more on your toes, which I think is just more of a female, um, you know, inclination to pay attention to detail a, a little bit more on some things. So, you know, some of just the traits... A law partner could say, could agree with that. So. Yeah, <laughs> some, some of the traits, I think, of just being a female will come across no matter where you are and the role that you're in, including being a judge, and it's just the, kind of the way that you handle your courtroom. But um, as far as, as just the camaraderie, I think another reason that I was inclined to the bankruptcy bar is just because we are so relaxed with one another, that same feeling of, yes, you know, we can walk in and, um, you know, have this terrible opposing argument and then afterwards go eat lunch together is just, right. it's very common. I mean, you don't want that to come across to your client like you weren't advocating well, but it, it is something that we can all, you know, get along and respect each other and respect each other's positions with the law as, as well as just, you know, hanging out and being nice to civil with one another. Mm -hmm. Allie, in your criminal practice, mm -hmm. have you encountered issues like that? Oh, absolutely. I think, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, and I think probably even more so, and I, I don't, I don't want to be presumptuous, but I noticed that there are a lot more female practitioners in the family court um, area mm -hmm. than you would find in, in criminal court. Um, but, you know, all of us, we are, we are invaders in many ways. We have, in many ways, we've invaded what has for years and years been a male-dominated profession. Yep. And especially with some of our, you know, older judges or older attorneys, there is still that subtle condescension, you know, mm -hmm. the sweeties, the honeys, the calm down. You know, yep. if I had a dollar right. for every time, you know, I feel like I'm being a zealous advocate for my client and an older male lawyer tells me, you really need to calm down, you know, mm -hmm. I'd have a lot of dollars. <laughs> um, so, you know, and we, we do always have to be so careful about the way that we present ourselves, you know, a male coworker or a male colleague could have the exact same reaction or enthusiasm in his voice that we have. And we are perceived as this overly emotional, you know, individual who needs to calm down. Mm -hmm. And so I think that's always something, you know, we have to think about and myself. I'm, you know, I'm Italian and I'm Cuban, so I'm fiery by nature. So I have to, you know, I have to really hold it down because I know what the perception is um, of women, especially, you know, doing what I do. I do get really worked up. I'm passionate about um, issues of social justice. Um, for example, I, I love criminal law. And so mm -hmm. some of the things I deal with are very emotional on, on, on many levels. And so I always have to check that. 
Um, but I'm always, I think I'm always conscious of the fact that I'm in the minority. Um, lots of times I get some unwelcome reminders of that fact, um, like I'm sure that we all do. But, uh, you know, for the most part, you know, I, I've, I've had a good experience. Um, mm -hmm. It's hard being in the South and being a woman in a male-dominated, still a male-dominated profession, yes. especially um, in my small area of the profession. But um, you've got you've to kind of roll with it. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, you know, it'll eat you alive. Yeah. And Madeline, I know you haven't been out very long, but have you run into any issues like this? Well, I think the way Joseph first framed it was how do you deal with this outside of the profession? Mm -hmm. And because I'm a newbie, there is no life for me outside of the profession. <laughs> so I don't know yet. I don't Slave know how that, um, for me, because I am still kind of earning my stripes, the more challenging part has been almost somewhat to mirror what Jane was saying earlier is not knowing if some of the things I encounter are because I'm a woman or is it because I'm brand new and I also still look like I'm in high school. So I don't know if it's coming at me because of my inexperience or because of me looking so young or because I'm a woman. I don't know which way it comes, but it's been more interesting balancing that with clients, especially here in Lexington County where I grew up, where I know these people, even if not necessarily knowing them per se, I speak the same language. So balancing um, having a client who is 60 years my elder right. with my gender and my age and being able to command that respect while still being respectful of them and their position as well has been an interesting balance and one that I've been fortunate to not have too many issues with. Um, I tend to have actually very nice clients. Um, so that has been helpful. But... Um, it has been kind of interesting to navigate my way through that and learn just how far I can push being authoritative without being mm -hmm. bitchy. <laughs> yep. That is always, that's always what you get when you try to assert yourself or God forbid you raise your voice because you've got a client screaming at you on the other end of the table and you've, you've got to kind of get down in the ditch and get dirty with them. I'll say my, one of my personal experiences before I even got to law school, I clerked in a law firm for, years and I asked the owner of the law firm to write a recommendation letter and this was a family friend someone who I knew was very good friends with my family and his response to me was you don't need to go to law school it is your duty as a good citizen and as a good productive member of society to stay home and create other productive members of society <laughs> and have children um for the record, the same person gave me the same advice. Yes, he is. And I thought it was just oh, me, but he told me better. Friends. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, he told a we senior, now have each other. Yeah, yeah, he told a senior. I thought it was just me at the time, but he had told a, a senior partner who was a female at a very well-known firm the same thing. And I said, no, you. I started clerking here years ago. You knew that was the game plan. This yeah. is where I want to go. I'm a little offended. And he, he kept right on at it. And then the next words out of his mouth were, it's like legally blind. But you're too nice and you're too pretty to go to law school. Oh. <laughs> so he had already written the letter. He'd sent it into LSAC. I got in the car and I called my mother and I was like, he's dead to me. <laughs> <laughs> I drove home. I deleted the letter off right. the law school admissions council. It never got sent. I took the I took the firm name off my resume. Like it never appeared again. I have never been so offended 
in my life. But in while he's saying that, and while they're, they're giving you this speech, you just kind of have to sit there and not go into hysterics because of, you just proved my point. You can't, right. you can't be a lawyer. You can't do all those things. So, yeah, well, I, so I, it's my duty to stay home and have babies. You're so pretty. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> pretty I, babies. I think women are in a role-changing effort right now, though, because they're are a lot of opportunities to where people are looking at all the candidates equally, but then if someone is a woman, it's actually a plus right now. You know, Mm -hmm. I think that with all of the attempts to kind of have, you know, a representative from every sector, women have probably more opportunity right now than ever before. And I think also that when I was kind of coming up, you know, there were all these opportunities to go play golf. But then was it, you know, it wasn't like it was a few women, you know, going to play golf. It was like, oh, yeah, I guess you can go out there. And, you know, then the men were so good and the women were hacking, you know, as far as not that women hack, but just the women that I knew that would go out there. And so it wasn't fun, you know I mean? Because we didn't feel like we were wanted they you know felt whatever and so then you'd have to think of like some other event say okay what should we do a spa day well you do like massages you're not even talking to each other right right? Mm -hmm. and so i think women had to kind of get creative with all right what are some of the things that we can do to market and we can do to network because in the past it's just come so easy for the man and then also as you kind of go through your legal career, I mean, are you just going to work for a few years and then leave? Are you going to, you know, have a baby and leave? Are you going to have a baby and come back? Are you going to encounter, you know, what Amber mm-hmm. said to where, oh, no, you really just went to law school to get your MRS degree, and then you yeah. weren't ever expected to practice. <laughs> um, you know, kind of where where do you go? Where do you stop in um, how do you balance all of the family responsibilities with your legal career? And how do you um, include yourself in extra activities, just like this block? You know, everybody's got somewhere else. Everybody's got dinner. Everybody's got, you know, other invitations. And, and so how do you pick, like, what you're going to go to and who you're going to give your time to? And I think women probably historically more than men have had to kind of pick and choose. Whereas a man, I think, could just basically be like, oh, I'm going to be home late. I've got to go do this. Mm-hmm. It, it's a different um, feeling. Plus, women feel more guilty when they <laughs> do things. So right. mom guilt is real. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, and I think, too, it really lends itself to me to a redefinition of success in the practice. You know, one of my biggest frustrations, and I talk at the law school pretty regularly, and I mentor young lawyers about what it really means to you to be successful in their practice. And there's this lemming mentality in law school. It's like, oh, you're going to do bar review? I don't even know what bar review is, but I feel like I need to do bar review because I don't want you to get a job that I might get a job. And everybody goes off the cliff. (laughs) Right. And, you know, I, I... what, but you have to, I think, couch in your mind, what is it that means success for you in this practice? Is it being able to, you know, define your practices? I'm going to work three days a week and I'm going to be available to a child another, you know, two days a week. Is that success to you? And if it is, 
then to heck with you know the skyscraper lawyers in mm -hmm. Greenville and Spartanburg and Columbia and and Charleston who define it as something very different. And I think to me that is the magic of women in the practice because we are getting to a place now where we are in a lot of ways being seen. I mean, there are major differences between the way female lawyers and male lawyers are treated in this practice. Mm -hmm. But as we are really able to kind of um, invest ourselves into the practice, redefining what that means. And that to me, you know, going out on my own this past year, that has been to me the most seminal moment of my practice is redefining really what it means to be a practitioner, what success looks like for me. And not, you know, this the notion of work-life balance, balance is ridiculous. Mm -hmm. There is no work, like work and life are, for for lawyers, is the same thing. You don't get to turn that off. My husband, I, he says when I give legal advice, that's just advice. He's like, that's just who you are. <laughs> that's what you do. All of your advice is legal advice. Right. But to be able to take that and just couch it in a way that makes to, that satisfies you as a as a woman, as a mother, as a wife, and as a litigator. I'm glad to see that women are being able to kind of redefine the boundaries of what practice looks like. And I think that the secret to success, like you're saying, what is the definition of success? I think a lot of it is just being honest with yourself. And I'll say that when I first started practicing, you kind of had to hide your personal life. Like if you were going to climb the ladder, it was just that you were working. And we were expected to work a lot. And the more sacrifice that you gave, if you know, I remember working on the 4th of July. I remember canceling a vacation at the last minute. I remember like, you know, those were all of, okay, you're committed. You're part of this. You're climbing the ladder and growing. And um, it's starting to change. Like, I, um, I have a membership to the zoo, which is just down the street, and I would like to say that I do this more than I really do, but sometimes I'll save my phone calls and I'll go walk at the zoo and return calls. Well, you can only you can pick and choose who can hear hee 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 background with the apes, right? And so, you know, I, I liked that with some people I could call them and, and they could laugh with me about that. Yesterday, I was on a very important um, financial call, and um, the attorney on the other side got something kind of like pink eye, and she was trying to get squeezed into the doctor's office. And so on the call, she said, okay, if you stop hearing from me, it's because I've just gotten accepted into you know, seeing the doctor. <laughs> and, and so just the fact that she could say that, and she could say that in front of her client, who was also, you know, a a well-known bank in South Carolina um, and not feel like, okay, that bank is going to take its business elsewhere because I need to go to a doctor's appointment. And instead, what was okay was that people were talking about, okay, well, I need to have the call at this time because I need to go pick up my kids at that time. And and that was perfectly okay. Everybody was accommodating. And, sure. and I think that's a good thing. And I think some of it is just the focus that we have on wellness and health and, you know, just the problem that lawyers have with, you know, um, everything. everything. <laughs> it, it, it just, it's really starting to make us be more humans and people and, and our responsibilities as women are much more accepted, I think, than before. I think it's forcing good change in the field as well. I saw something recently that said, 
we expect women to work as if they don't have children and to raise children as though they don't work. Mm -hmm. um, and that is so true. Yes. But the more women we get in the practice and the more diverse we become, we are forcing our field to change because the face of it is changing. There are so many more women. We are forcing firms to become more accommodating to family needs. It's not, you know, and, it, and not to put that all on women. It should be mm -hmm. on the men as sure. well. And, you know, in society, we need to understand it's a, it's a shared burden. It's a shared responsibility. But just a little bit of pushback, I guess, to how you started um, talking. Yes, I think we do have more opportunity than we did years and years ago. Certainly, we have more work to do. But there is still, I think, that stigma there of, oh, should we hire this lady? She's about 26. She might, yep. she might have to leave for, you know, however many months and, and go have a baby. Um, or oh, she's going to have a sick kid or this mm -hmm. or that. Um, and, and for some reason, that falls all on women. Nobody's worried about dad having to leave work because there's a sick child because, oh, you know, mom will get it. And Probably I think for that, years because dad never left work because yeah. there was a woman <coughs> at home with a sick child. Yeah, but yeah. I think the more of us we have, you know, joining the ranks, you know, sure. female lawyers, you know, we are we are forcing those changes. You know, I'm fortunate to, to work for a firm that's extremely family-friendly. Um, you know, and a lot of people don't have that, but I think the landscape is changing, and I, and I have to credit that to more women becoming attorneys and kind of forcing that change. I think what I think thing. as women be take not just lawyer roles but leadership roles in law mm -hmm. firms, it's, it's forcing a paradigm shift. I mean, I worked at a law firm where I was the first woman of childbearing age in about 25 years. And I looked at the the policy for maternity leave whenever you know I got on the nest, <laughs> and it was it was so brief that you could not legally put a child in a daycare facility at that time. I'm impressed that there was a maternity leave right. policy to look at. Um, and so I mean we we as women are reaching roles of leadership. I, I I'm encouraged to think that we are going to be able to change the face of what the practice looks like for women in all areas of practice. And for men, too, to give men the freedom to say, it's okay for me to take this burden off my wife that's historically been on the woman. Right. Right. Um, because he will think that, okay, this is okay. This doesn't make me look bad. So that I think, it, you know, overall, it's a good change. Well, and I'll say as a family court practitioner, not in my personal law practice, but just looking at even the paradigm shift in the situations that I see in family court, with the major recession, it hit men in a very different way than it hit women. And so I have seen through practice a lot more men who were serving as primary caretakers mm -hmm. for children because mm -hmm. their jobs were lost through, you know, the contraction of the economy. And so, you know, we do not just as practitioners, but if you just look at the dynamic shift of the economy, men are taking a more, and I'm really lucky, I hit the jackpot in the daddy department who's, <laughs> you know, a proactive parent who's super, super involved. But I, but just the way that our lives are changing, we, men are being more involved in that caretaking role in such a way that I don't think. In years past, would have been emasculating mm -hmm. for them to be involved in, and now is more of an empowering role for them to to be involved in. And as a mother and as a practitioner, I find that really super encouraging. Well, guys, we could definitely make this an hour long, two hour long episode. Unfortunately, we do have to wrap up. But before we go, we have what started out as a series of cross examination questions um, at the end of our podcast is now kind of migrated to our favorite uh, question that we ask people. So we're going to go around the table. We're going to start with Madeline. 
um, you're a lawyer now, you're a new lawyer. But mm -hmm. if money wasn't an issue, you can do any other job other than being a lawyer. What occupation do you want to do? Would you have wanted to do? And before you answer, me and Amber, so our favorites have been oceanographer. Oceanographer. Grocery bagger. Grocery bagger, that's right. Uh, we've had a, uh, a, a landscape. Landscaper. Yeah, landscaper. Farmer. Yeah, so we've hit the gamut of these. So no pressure, but you, those are the ones you have to be. I struggle with that because from a young age, I think this has always been what I was going to do, and I've never <laughs> set my sights on anything else. Um, Fair enough. But when I was in high school, I went through a brief stint where I knew if I could get away with it, I would just be the girl at the mat counter. <laughs> selling makeup all day long and I've since yeah, kind of lost that, that um, where I no longer spend an hour on my makeup but in high school I did so that might would be the only other career I've really thought if I could get away with it I would I'd do it. Allie what about you? I'd have to say cake decorator slash architectural photographer. Two of He's my awesome. hobbies that I love but I'm, I'm scared if I turned them into a job I would hate them but you know for now, if money was no object, that's what I would pictures do. pictures of Allie's cakes, and they are pure works of art. It is amazing. Oh, wow. I'm not kidding. So what you're saying is that one of these episodes, we'll have to get one in, and we can yeah. critique them, you yeah, know, on air. Are you for hire? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> just for the people in this room. Yeah, that's right. Just for us. <laughs> Jane, what about you? Well, mine's not nearly as exciting. I think I would be a writer for 60 Minutes. Ooh, Ooh I like that one. That'd be really cool. Like, oh, that's not an exciting job. Well, not, not <laughs> All the nerds are like, ooh. Yeah, I know. All of us are like, go on. That's my weekend. Like 60 that. minutes in Dateline. <laughs> well, you live an exciting life. Yeah, um, I do. <laughs> me, me, the husband, and the cats. It's a great time. So I, I would have to be a tie between hairdresser because I love to color hair. And I, if not that, I would like to take people professionally fishing. Like, I... Ooh. Well, I grew up in Williamsburg County on Black River, and I would rather have a cane pole in my hand than pretty much anything else. So That's amazing. I don't know how you monetize that, but I feel like I could somehow be a professional fisher person. There you go. Well, ladies, we certainly appreciate uh, your coming on to the podcast uh, with us today. Um, we thank Jane Downey. She's You can find her at downylaw.com and at jane.h.downey on Facebook. Um, she's our bankruptcy law specialist. You can find Allie Benevento at stromlaw.com and she's also on, uh, you can find the Strom Law Firm on Facebook as well. Madeline is at mcwarderlaw.com. McWhorter Bellinger Associates is on Facebook. And then Rebecca can be found at creelfamilylaw.com and you can follow her hashtag every Tuesday and find a uh, hashtag client truth Tuesday where she will tell you the truths about her uh, wacky <laughs> clients. <laughs> they're, very, they're very wacky. That's right. Um, as always, you can uh, follow the podcast at SC Law Pod on Twitter and Facebook um, and Instagram. I always forget yeah. Instagram. Um, you can follow me at Joseph P. Vias. Uh, you can follow Dane at SC Krim Lawyer. Uh, give shout out to Dane. Dane's hard at work. Uh, this week um, in trial. So if you get this, send him a message, tell him good luck, and uh, hire him uh, to, if you yeah. got arrested for your next trial, I guess. Right. <laughs> and um, I mean, if you don't hire Allie, obviously. And uh, you can follow the best Twitter handle among us, Amber at Red Judicata, for our ginger friend, 
uh, Amber. So, for Jane, for Allie, for Rebecca, for Madeline, for the dearly departed Dane, well, I guess he's not dead. <laughs> he's dead. <laughs> for the Dane. departed, the, the not present Dane, and for the very in present Amber. <laughs> in absentia. Gosh, I'm sorry. <laughs> Dumb dead. guy. Dane, you're dead. Yeah, Dane's the, the dead to us, Dane. Um, and uh, Amber, uh, thanks for listening. We'll see you again next week. And uh, um, yeah, good night. Thanks, y'all.